Coming up on HIGMT, Texas delivers a blow to Tesla customers in the state. Model S delivery event pushed to June 10th. AMD reveals a relationship with Tesla. Elon answers questions for the Model 3 and Model Y price increases. And I update local Tesla trends here in Ottawa. Welcome to How I Got My Tesla, the podcast of Indeterminate Link for Saturday, June 5th, 2021, episode 45 in Ottawa, Ontario. I'm Matt Wilson. Let's start off with a few Tesla things you should know. Some disappointing news from Texas, and despite Tesla investing billions of dollars at their Austin property, the ability for Tesla to sell directly to customers died in committee. And since the Texas legislature does not meet for another year and a half, Tesla will likely need to export vehicles produced at Gigafactory Texas to the next closest state, probably Louisiana. And any new Tesla owner residing in Texas would have to drive out of state to pick up their electric vehicle, then drive back home, possibly driving past the very same facility where their vehicle was produced twice. Although ridiculous, this is entirely expected since the dealership associations are hell-bent on blocking direct-to-customer sales in-state unless they were able to get a cut of the transaction by setting up Tesla dealership franchises. But thankfully, Tesla has zero interest in creating a bloated system based on the archaic franchise system. I suspect that Tesla will simply wait it out and eventually the political environment will get to a point where bills such as this will not continue to die in committee. Or maybe Tesla can leverage their position in Texas and perhaps something could be changed before Gigafactory Texas opens for production. CleanTechnica.com has an article regarding this and provides a possible, although very unlikely, event that a special session can be called by the governor of Texas. CleanTechnica.com also links out to the Senate bills that did pass during the five-month session this year. Now, this is really disappointing. I can't believe that this died in committee. Um, you know, they spent so much time on other uh, initiatives down in Texas, and this just died in committee. And it just shows that the dealership associations down in that state are just so hell bent on making sure that, um, you know, Tesla is not able to provide direct to customer sales in state. Now, you know, Tesla can work around the rules that have been set up, and they are currently doing so. So, Tesla is still being, you know, there's still a, a Tesla presence in Texas. Uh, you know, the transaction needs to be, you know, uh, I think uh, Elon mentioned that the transaction needs to be c- completed out of state on a server. And, you know, if it means that people have to pick up their vehicle over at Louisiana, so be it. Eventually what will happen is that I'm hoping that the uh, the political environment down in Texas will actually see the benefits of disrupting the century-old way of, you know, selling vehicles uh, to potential customers is is such an antiquated way of doing it. I can't believe that, you know, people can't see this. But, you know, the dealership associations down in the U.S. and probably here in Canada, they are only guided by one thing and one thing only. It's not for the protection of customers and providing an environment to inform customers of, you know, the feature set of the Tesla vehicles. It, they're only guided by one thing, and that is by money. They want a cut of you know, the every transaction that Tesla is able to complete in state. And the, the only way that they know how to do this is through the typical franchise model, which is completely broken. Is com- There's so much overhead uh, that is that is being dealt with, uh, 
that needs to be absorbed from the MSRP for each vehicle. So I can guarantee that, you know, the dealership associations, they want to have anywhere between seven to 10% at least off of every transaction that Tesla is able to complete. It's all about money. It's definitely not about, um, you know, providing uh, a better customer uh, interaction whenever it comes to um, purchasing vehicles. It's such an antiquated way uh, to uh, purchase a vehicle. And not only is it an antiquated way, but it is a complete waste of resources that could be spent somewhere else. So I'm hoping that Tesla is able to continue to apply pressure to change the laws down in Texas to allow direct to customer uh, sales for their vehicles. Maybe it's the case that they need to uh, lobby a little bit more to ensure that they're going to be successful the next time this bill comes around. And until that time, I think, you know, people will be more than happy to drive out of state and pick up the vehicle uh, over at Louisiana and then drive it back home. Um, it's just one of those nasty things that people have to put up with uh, until things change down in Texas. So we'll see what happens in the next, uh, I guess, couple months or in the next few years to see if things change. But I'm really hoping that, you know, people realize that, you know, what's been going on over the last hundred years in terms of dealership models, it just, it, it's not sustainable. I think that the product that is being sold at typical dealerships are uh, you're not getting as good value for money being spent as if you were to get something from tesla that doesn't have to deal with all that overhead so again you know this is something that i've repeated on multiple times throughout my podcast and uh, you know it still irritates me to see um, you know situations such as this where it's just no we're not going to do it because we've never changed what we've been doing over the last hundred years and if you want to sell direct to customers in uh, in Texas or in any province in North America or any state in North America, uh, you're going to have to set up a, a franchise, which is just a huge, again, a huge drain on resources, a huge waste of money. It's completely unnecessary. Um, te- Tesla is able to complete transactions uh, throughout, you know, all over the world without any huge issue. And they're able to provide excellent service and, you know, they're able to inform potential customers all without having the franchise model being uh, set up. So, you know, they have a really good system in selling vehicles to people. And the fact that, you know, you have different uh, governing bodies telling people that, no, you can't do that uh, for the betterment of uh, the customers. Uh, We want you to do something else. It's just, it's just not right. And like I said previously, it's about one thing and one thing only. It's all about money. Well, June 3rd came and went this past week with no delivery event for the refreshed Model S. Instead, Elon Musk pushed the June 3rd event to the following week on June 10th. Although Elon was not given specifics about the delay, he did mention the Model S was still being tweaked. Electric.co seems to think that the new powertrain needed further validation or maybe the refreshed interior still needed a little bit of work before being unleashed to patient drivers. Elon further commented that the refreshed Model S feels more like a spaceship inside. AMD announced this past week that the new Tesla infotainment system on the refreshed Model S and Model X consists of an AMD Ryzen processor with its own integrated graphics paired with a discrete AMD RDNA 2 GPU. This basically equates to a total of 10 teraflops of computing power, which is slightly less than the 10.3 teraflops on Sony's PlayStation 5. 
This amount of power will give Tesla owners access to hardware normally reserved for major consoles from Sony and Microsoft to not only watch Netflix and YouTube while in the parking lot, but opens up the possibility to play AAA games such as The Witcher or Cyberpunk 2077. The entire back end of the infotainment system is built off of a version of Linux, so porting over your Steam library may not be entirely possible, at least not for the moment. Tesla has recently reached out to game developers with experience working in Linux for, quote, something extremely exciting at Tesla. So I don't really expect this type of gaming power to be available in the Model uh, Model 3 or the Model Y. I really do suspect that Tesla wants to differentiate their product line and want to make sure that the Model S and the Model X provides, uh, you know, potential purchasers with something that is different that is not previously available in the Model 3 or the Model Y. So like I said, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I'd like to be wrong. I'd like to see this type of computing power uh, across all of Tesla's vehicle lineup, but um, you know, I don't really see this happening for the Model 3 or Model Y uh, at least anytime soon. Not only is Gigafactory Texas producing front megacasts for the Model Y, but it appears that it, Fremont is doing the same thing. YouTuber and drone operator Gabe Inacow recently flew over to Tesla's production facility in California and spotted stacks upon stacks of the new front casting stored in one location of the sprawling compound. The 14-minute long video shows us some ongoing testing of the Tesla Semi, the front logistics lots where the EVs are loaded onto car carriers, and new production lines that are set up under temporary structures. There's no word if gigacasts from Texas are making their way to Fremont or if these first casts are being further evaluated before use in the Model Y. The Model Y has officially overtaken the Model 3 in terms of global overall sales, according to data compiled from Tesserati.com. For the month of April, Tesla delivered 16,232 Model Ys and 14,980 Model 3s. And for the year so far, Tesla has delivered 141,696 Model 3s and 72,296 Model Ys. According to the data, the Model 3 is in first place globally and the Model Y placed third. In second position is the Wuling Hongguan Mini EV, a city-centric electric vehicle that costs about 10% of the price for a Model 3. Globally, Tesla is still the most popular brand in terms of vehicles delivered to date, and there's lots of statistics from other EV providers, so you can feel free to check out the link in the show notes below. Elon Musk finally gave us a look into the recent price increases for the Model 3 and Model Y. Replying on Twitter, Elon mentioned that the recent price increases were due to major supply chain pressures, especially with raw materials. Now, as I mentioned uh, last week, prices here in Canada remained unchanged for months now. Elon also mentions that the recent deletion of the lumbar support in the front passenger seat was attributed to the fact that most passengers never knew that it actually existed or simply never used that feature. Now, it would have been nice for Tesla to announce the feature removal, but at least we have an answer from Elon himself. Removing the lumbar support saved Tesla the initial cost to install and the extra weight contained for the lumbar mechanism. So I suppose every dollar and gram of weight saved makes a big difference when multiplied by millions of vehicles produced each year. And a little bit of good news from Gigafactory Berlin. It seems as though Tesla has officially applied to manufacture their new 4680 battery cells. And based on the construction completed so far, Gigafactory Berlin will be producing battery cells first ahead of Gigafactory Shanghai and Texas. 
During the application, Tesla also updated their expected water use for the battery production and stated that actually less water would be used than what was previously envisioned for the site. First production output at Gigafactory Berlin would be around 100 gigawatt hours and then expand to 250 gigawatt hours in the future, making it the largest battery production facility in the world. And while we're talking about Gigafactories, I might as well take a spin by Gigafactory Texas and see what's been going on. And thanks again to Joe Tegmeyer and Jeff Roberts for the daily drone footage. Seems as though there was a huge amount of rain over the last week. So this has been basically slowly progress of the exterior elements of the construction site. But I would suspect that interior fit up is still progressing at a fast pace. There have been 12 superchargers that have been delivered on site and stored, and these are the newly designed superchargers with all the needed hardware already mounted on a large concrete pad. More castings are being produced and possibly shipped to Fremont for a general assembly of the Model Y. Structural steel construction is slowly proceeding in the southwest corner of the Megapad area, and exterior wall construction is moving along with precast wall panels and glass window modules. And seeing that this is episode 45, we might as well take a look at some of the EV stats here in Ottawa. Uh, over the last 11 months, I have driven 29,000 kilometers, and Tesla is now seen more often than it was 10 weeks ago, about 2.3 times more often than all other EVs combined. 10 weeks ago, the ratio was slightly less at 2.25 times more often. So if you were to take the Nissan Leaf out of the equation, Tesla has a 9 to 1 lead over all other EVs combined here in Ottawa. 10 weeks ago, Tesla had a 5 to 1 lead over all other EVs here in town whenever you remove the Nissan Leaf out of the equation. Over the past 10 months, I've seen 1,041 Teslas and 454 EVs produced by other automobile manufacturers. The most popular Tesla here in town is a Model 3, while the least popular is a Model X, which is basically no real surprise since it's one of the most expensive EVs Tesla sells. So I'm starting to see more Model Ys here in Ottawa, but not nearly as many as a Model 3. The most popular non-Tesla EV remains the Nissan Leaf, while the least popular EV is still tied with the Jaguar I-Pace, the Audi e-tron, there was a Ford Focus hatchback that I saw, and a Mitsubishi IMIEV, which was a very odd egg-shaped car, was actually sold in, uh, in Canada between 2010 and 2014. Well, that should pretty much do it for episode 45. If you find any value in this podcast and you like the work that I do, I invite you to head on over to patreon.com slash howigotmytesla. Once there, if you'd like to support me a little bit financially towards a Tesla of some sort, there are three tiers available for you to choose from. And if you're looking to purchase a new Tesla and want 1,000 free supercharging miles, you can feel free to use my referral program link in the show notes below, or you can head on over to ts.la slash Matthew40942. So far, the only person to use my referral program link is Chatty, so thanks again to Chatty for that. And hashtag for this episode, let's try hashtag Texas can do better. And the overall hashtag for this podcast is hashtag HIDMT. If you have any feedback for me, you can throw me an email at howigotmytessa at gmail.com. And I need to shout out my Patreons who support me at my V3 supercharging level. So thanks again to my brother Nick for your continued support. You can always watch my progress towards a Tesla of some sort by visiting howigotmytesla.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram by simply searching for How I Got My Tesla. So thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Matt Wilson and hosted by Squarespace. Music for this episode is Cascade by Cubby. Cubby.